This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special edition of the Liverpool Blood Red podcast as we're all stood up at Naples Airport because there are no seats. Uh, joining me is our full-time Liverpool correspondent and the tallest member of the sports desk, Paul Ghost. Hi Paul. Hello Ian. How are you? Tired, but uh, ready to crack on and uh, do this pod. Uh, I'm, I'm also pleased to announce we're joined by former Liverpool full-time correspondent, James Pierce. Hi, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? I am both a bit home sweaty. And away. Yeah, both home and away. Sorry. And also, as you can tell from his dulcet tones, never full-time Liverpool correspondent Neil Jones, who's now of Goal.com. Hi, Neil. Hi, Ian. I always say Goal.com, and it's not right, is it? No, it's got it. I've been told it's just Goal. Just Goal. goal yeah. Speaking of goals. Neat segue. Please. Liverpool didn't score any uh, against uh, yeah against uh, Napoli last night and lost two 0 Paul, what did you make of the performance? Bearing in mind that on the face of it, anybody just looking at the results thinks that they did worse than they did there last year. To be honest, I thought they were really unlucky. I thought they played well for the majority of the game, and it was only the last five minutes, wasn't it? Where, um, well, I'm sure we'll get onto the, the penalty incident, but uh, I thought for large parts Liverpool defended well. I thought they were lacking a little bit of cohesion up front, thought Roberto Firmino played well but Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane were a little bit off the boil um, thought Fabinho was, was the best Liverpool player particularly first half, he, he had an excellent first half didn't he? Um, but it's a tough place to go, San Paolo, Liverpool found that out last year, it was a much improved performance from that game um, and somehow they've come away with a 2-0 defeat instead of a 1-0 um, Your voice has changed, eh? I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spe- <laughs> Speaking of dulcet tones uh, but yeah, Liverpool were unlucky and um, it's no, no disaster this result. Still expect Liverpool to, to go through without any uh, any real problems and um, just want them to put to bed. It's only the third defeat, I think, this calendar year, which is showing you how far Liverpool have come. So no real major disaster after this one. I mean, James, you were obviously here last year for the game. Um, what was your take on what was different for Liverpool? Everything, I think. Um, I'd echo what Paul said about the performance. I thought there were a lot of positives to take. I thought, you know, last year, although it was a late goal that consigned Liverpool to defeat, they got exactly what they deserved here when, you know, it was an error strewn performance. You know, I think they were affected by the atmosphere and, and, and made, made a lot of mistakes in that game. I think, you know, this time around, I thought, you know, there was a, they played with a lot more composure and calmness, kept the ball well. You know, I thought I thought Klopp's game plan worked pretty well in terms of how solid they looked defensively, uh, and then packed a punch on the counter attack. The frustration was that they got into some fantastic positions and just weren't able to make them count. The final ball was lacking a few times, probably epitomised by um, you know Mane, his failure to pick out Salah when. Uh, they had that brilliant breakaway um, early in the uh, in the second half. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a cruel defeat. Liverpool didn't deserve to lose that game. I thought, to be honest, with 10, 15 minutes to go, I thought I thought Napoli looked like they were out on their knees. A couple of their players went down with cramp, and Liverpool looked like they were finishing strongly. And at that point, you'd have probably you know I, I thought Liverpool you know at least would have got a point from the game. But you know, in the end, everything has changed on that on that penalty decision which, having seen the replay five or six times now, I, I still can't, for the life of me, understand why VAR hasn't overturned it. Deep Mahaman thinks otherwise. Um, Neil, what do you, do you make of the penalty decision at the time? I mean, I thought, oh, that's a penalty. I haven't seen the replays, I'm slightly less convinced, but what, what do you think? I agree, I agree with you there. When, he, when the incident happened, I thought, oh, no, penalty. And then, I think it is, I, I, just, some, just some sort of, my memory of VAR and incidents, it seems like 
unlikely that penalties that are given are overturned. That's, it's, it seems far more likely that you'll get a penalty that wasn't given than you will to get one taken off because I don't think they want to un- undermine the referees. And there's a little bit, there's still a little bit of um, referees call. You know, you trust you trust the referee to, you know, you back him. The more replays you see of it, the less it looks like a penalty. It's a, it's a bit silly from Robertson because he goes with his wrong leg and he leaves his leg dangling out there, and that's always a dangerous thing. But Callahan's absolutely bought it, hasn't he? In terms of, he's, he's going down well before he, he, he makes any sort of contact with Robertson, and if anything, the contact is initiated by the by the attacker. Um, is that good play by the attacker then? Well, yeah, Napoli will say it is, isn't it? And Cheating. I, said, I mean, I saw Jamie Carragher, who's round the corner from us, I believe, is, in yes. this airport, um, said. That if that's at the other end, you probably want it, and he's right. But then you look in the first half, there was an incident where Salah went past Koulibaly in the box, and we've all seen the picture where Koulibaly looks like he's been fired out of a cannon into the side of him. And you think, well, Salah probably could have gone down there, and would that have been a penalty, or would people have been saying, oh, you know, Salah again diving, that kind of stuff? So I think you've got to take the rough with the smooth a little bit, but it was rough, rough under the pool last night. And, you know, I don't think they were great second half personally, but. I think they, they more than deserved a point from the game and Napoli, I wouldn't say Napoli deserved a win I agree with you on there I think Liverpool if they'd have shaded it nobody would have minded too well apart from Napoli nobody could have argued too much basically is what I'm trying to say uh, penalty then Gorsty yes or no? No, absolutely no chance um, I've, I, I mean at first I was like you Ian I, I did actually think oh that, that looks a, a nailed on one but when, when you see the replay Callihan he knows can, you, can you forgive the referee for giving it then if we've all thought that? Well, no, because he was closer than I was. Two <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah. We were sat miles away. Yeah, no, it, he's cut into... And he's Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Felix Birch is obviously one of the more experienced UEFA officials as well. Uh, no, Callihan cuts inside, and as soon as he sees Robertson move his leg forward, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he just jumps to the floor, and Robertson got nowhere near him, and it was a shocking decision, and why it wasn't overturned, we'll never know. And I think there is an element of not looking to undermine the officials, um, because if they start doing that, we're going to be looking at these kind of incidents happening left and right in, in these huge games. So maybe that's why they didn't look at it, but they certainly should have, and it should have been chalked off and um, never a penalty. By the way, if anybody wants to get eyeballed at Naples Airport, just do a podcast, because every time we're talking, people are looking at us and wondering, what the hell is going on? Um, James, that's something that people regularly say to you. Uh, there was one player who stood out for, for the Reds, certainly in the first half, and that was Fabinho. When you bear in mind that when they were here last year, he played for the last 15 minutes... And everyone's wondering, well, you know, what, what's gone wrong with him? A lot's happened since then. But these are exactly the type of games that he was bought for, wasn't he? Yeah, I think well, he, he's operating at such a ridiculously high level now that you'd, you'd almost have him alongside you know, Van Dijk and, and the front three as first names on the team sheet because uh, you know, Klopp chopped and changed the midfield a lot of times last season, you know, tried all kinds of different combinations. But since the turn of the year, Fabino has, has absolutely flourished and yeah that was right up there with his best performances for the club I thought you know time and time again in the in the right place at the right time to break up play um, and then really positive with it you know never never just looking to knock it sideways always looking to create going forward um, and it was just a frustration that Liverpool couldn't make some of those openings count because you know probably half a dozen times he won the ball back Napoli were exposed and uh, and you know Liverpool were out, you know, had them outnumbered at times, but you know uh, couldn't couldn't make it count. Um, but now Fabinho was by far and away Liverpool's best outfield player on the night. Uh, you know him and Adrian could certainly hold their heads up high. He's, um, you think back to when Liverpool had last had a sort of proper what you call a hold midfielder in, in Mascherano. 
and he was alongside. He's better. He's better than him, though, isn't he? He's alongside Alonso, and Fabinho's like a bit of a mash of the two, isn't he? You know, he can he can pass the ball, not not quite as gracious gracefully as um, Alonso, but he, he's a very good passer, and he gets around the pitch as much and, and as well as Mascherano ever did for Liverpool, and probably more sensibly. You know, he doesn't. He goes in for tackles. Mascherano gets booked for those challenges, you know, because he's a bit late or he's a bit rash. And Fabinho just seems to have this incredible ability to time sliding challenges, which not many players do in the modern game. You know, there's a lot of yellow cards that you see where it's just it's because they've gone to ground. But he seems to be able to do it. Thought he was brilliant first half. Thought he tailed off a little bit second half, as as Liverpool did in terms of dominating that midfield. But they've got some good players. Napoli haven't you know, in the, the, the two midfielders in particular, the good players, Ruiz and, and Allen. They've got good attackers, but I think it's, it, it bodes well for Liverpool that they were able to go away from home and have it as much, certainly for an hour or so, as much control as they did with the ball and the, and the game. Because I thought the, the, the first half in particular, I thought with Fabinho at the four, they played particularly well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think what this podcast needs is a bit more background noise. Uh, I gave I gave Fabinho nine. Just like to point that out to everybody. Um, it's not just his tackling though, is it, Ghosty? I mean, there was one bit where he did, he got, they won the ball in midfield and he released Salah for a chance, so he's creative as well. He is. He's, he's Brazilian, isn't he? He's got a, a, a little bit. Hang on, I just, I just, Lucas Lever, anyway, continue. Know, yeah, good point, actually. Made me, made me put redundant. Yeah, he, the, the, that one on the halfway line, he, he just crunched into the tackle, as Neil says, he, he timed that perfectly and then just carried it 20, 30 yards and then waited and waited and then laid Salah in and then Koulibaly came across and Salah. He's like a little bit of a rabbit in the headlights and lost the ball. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was fabulous for Fabinho. He has been for, for well, since basically the turn of the year. Since he came in against Manchester City, he came off the bench, didn't he, and completely changed the game that night at the Etihad. Um, and now he, he is, as James says, one of the one of the very first names on the team sheet. I think Jürgen Klopp chopped and changed his midfield three on, on a weekly basis last season, but now one of those slots is firmly taken up by Fabinho, and now it's uh, two out of three. James, you appear to have a drink there. In fact, all of you do, apart from me. Why would that be? Hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> you mentioned Adrian James. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Alison Becker's not going to be featuring until yeah, at least middle of October, from what Jurgen Klopp said in a recent press conference. Now, it's fair to say that Adrian's had a pretty nice honeymoon at Liverpool. You know, won a trophy in his, his second game. You know, won his first five Premier League games. But it was always going to be this week that was a test for him. Napoli away and Chelsea away is a test for any goalkeeper. And even though Liverpool lost, he, he sort of proved that he's a capable, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's he's really really kicked on impressively. I think he had a he had a you know a real baptism of fire at Liverpool, didn't he? With coming in as he did, um, you know, from being without a club, training on his own in Seville, suddenly getting the call from Liverpool went after the deal was done to to sell Mignolet to Bruges, um, and then I think what well, he had three training sessions with the with the squad before he came off the bench um, against Norwich, and and then yeah, the, the, the kind of crazy goings on with the Super Cup, where being the hero and then. You know, getting taken out by the pitch invader in the during the celebrations, um, playing at Southampton with a heavily strapped ankle and painkillers, and obviously making that poor mistake late on, which allowed Ings to score. But the impressive thing was he, you know, he, he responded so well to that. You know, he hasn't. You know, a lot of goalkeepers over the years have, have struggled to handle the pressure and expectation of being at a club as big as Liverpool, but um, he seems to have really embraced it, and that was that was another massive night for him and another big step forward because. Uh, 
you know, I think it says a lot about his attitude that during the, the recent international break, um, while all the rest of the non-internationals were off, he was there doing extra sessions with, with John Akterberg. They've worked hard on his kicking, especially, because I think at West Ham, you know, more often than not, it was the option was always to go along and, and just clear his lines. Obviously, Klopp wants him to, to use his feet more and, and pick out the full-backs, and he has to be more composed. And, I, I, you know, in, in, in difficult surroundings in the Stadio San Paolo, you know, hostile... Atmosphere. I thought he didn't put a foot wrong. You know, there was the there was the smart double save in the in the first half, and you know the the, uh, the one for Mertens on the volley. You know, I don't think we'll see a better save than that in the Champions League all season. Absolutely incredible, and um, you know even the penalty. You know, he got a hand to that, didn't he? He wasn't. He wasn't he was only a few inches away from keeping that out. So uh, yeah, him probably more than anyone didn't deserve to be on the losing side last night. Neil, Mohamed Salah hasn't scored for one game. <laughs> it's a bit of an inside joke there, sorry. But and it, just looking at the attack in general, they did misfire a little bit uh, uh, last night. And it was interesting in the sense that I think it was only the second time in the last 23 games that they failed to score. The other one was Barcelona, the 3-0 game. Um, there was one instance where Mane got through and could have played it across to Salah. Did, but overhit it completely and the chance was lost. I mean, is it I just was it just was it pieces on it on whether Manny and Salah are too selfish? <laughs> I think I think he's been reading a few of those and decided he was definitely <laughs> going to square that one. Um, I think Liverpool, I think Liverpool are a bit like that. You know, I think Liverpool do waste a lot of good situations even when they're playing particularly well. I think because you get into so many of those positions where there's three on two, two on one, that I always think that. You're gonna get you're gonna get waste. They're not gonna put every single chance away. When they do, you know someone's gonna get an absolute hiding. But they, they, they are a little bit capable of doing that. It's just on this occasion they didn't they didn't take one of them. And if they take one of them, they'd probably take a second one and a third one. But they, they they were just a little bit a little bit off. They had chance in the first half. We were talking about before, weren't we? With Milner when he, he a lovely move down the left hand side, and Milner just had to take his time and find Salah in the box and he, he, he was cut out there was another one where Salah got past um, the left back Mario Rui and he, he, he was a bit like the, the David Luiz one against Arsenal where he was, he, he'd spun him and he was cutting into the box and he didn't go on go on and he, he didn't really his touch wasn't right there was one in the second half when Mane burst into the box where the keeper saved it I think he had, he had a couple to his right that he could have, could have played the ball to just sometimes that happens and I think Liverpool get into those positions more than most sides so it stands to reason that they're going to waste more of those situations than, than most sides but on this occasion they just couldn't get the uh, get the one of them through and I, I do believe if they'd have got one if they'd have scored the first goal in the game I think they probably would have won it 2-3-0 two, two, because I think Napoli would have been a bit deflated by it and the fact was the fans stayed with them the whole game because they were in it and I think if they'd have seen it you know they took Insignia off at 0-0 Napoli and a few years wasn't it from the crowd a few years there was um Lorente came on and I don't think that was a very popular I mean he got the goal in but I don't think they were particularly enamoured by Lorente coming on either so if Liverpool had got ahead at that point I think you could have seen the sort of the, the, the atmosphere and the tide of the game turn I mean if Liverpool were to have an off night and let's face it if Virgil van Dijk's making a mistake then something's not, not quite right but this would be the day to do wouldn't it because the, it's, it's a group game it's the opening group game it's the most difficult one if Liverpool had say lost one there like last year, I don't think there'd be a massive inquest because they've seen that. You know, with okay, I know Salzburg absolutely destroyed Genk last night, but you'd expect Liverpool to win the home games against the, them too. Then win, a, then win a, an away game, and then suddenly they're in the box box seat to try and get through. So it's no reason to panic, is there? 
No, not at all. Liverpool lost all three away games, didn't they, last season in the Champions League? And obviously still ended up winning it. So um, I'm not too concerned at all. I still expect Liverpool to comfortably go through in this group. I think they'll beat Salzburg and Genk both home and away. Um, and then I fancy them to beat Napoli at Anfield. So no no major, major issues. Um, Paul Gore suggesting that Liverpool now win the next five games in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should definitely win the next three, shouldn't they? They've got Salzburg at home, Genk at yeah. home, Genk away. They should be looking at nine points from those, shouldn't they? Yeah, um, I say this, this, this is only Liverpool's third defeat of the calendar year in all competitions, which is one defeat every three months at this rate, and that's, that's an incredible run of form. When you consider how many games Liverpool play as well, some months they're playing seven and eight, aren't they? So, um, yeah, it's, it doesn't deserve to be any major inquest into this defeat. It was they were unlucky. It wasn't a it wasn't an off night where you could point fingers at the performance as a whole. I thought they were thought they played well and matched Napoli for, for well pretty much all of the game. And Napoli are a, are a good side and they're even better at home, aren't they? Ian Klopp was asked is there a Stadio San Paolo effect in the build up to this game and, and he just said yes, didn't he? Because yeah, um, eminently there is and yeah, it's. Um, I still expect Liverpool to go through, no, no, uh, no real problem there. James, were you surprised by the strength of the Liverpool team, bearing in mind that they're playing Chelsea on Sunday and this is the second game in a run of seven in 21? In what way? Well, in terms of what well, I thought... In terms of the defence, he, defense, he could have made more defence, like Joe Gomez was there waiting to come, come in. And I know Andy Robertson had a knock, he'd ended up not having a particularly great game in the second half. Yeah, I, I, th- I, thought, I thought he might have been tempted to, to play Gomez. Um, but then... At right back. Yeah, I, I, well, we either either side to be honest, with obviously Robertson um, carrying the knock as well, and Robertson being that important with with no obvious you know go to man at left back um, if, if he wasn't ready. So yeah, I thought I thought Gomez probably would have played, but apart from that, do you know what? I did, and I saw some people afterwards bemoaning like the balance of the midfield and, and the rest of it, but. Is that just a case of being wise after the event? Because during the game, if it's nil-nil, if it's nil-nil or Liverpool just snatch goal at the end, everyone was saying what a good, great performance it was. It was, it was absolutely... Uh, for 80-odd minutes, I, I thought the, the, the game plan worked really well. It, you know, it's something he's adopted quite often in European away games where you know, some people will say, oh, you know, why didn't why, oh, say Chamberlain? You know, like a, yeah, someone maybe a bit more creative in there. But I think when you go away, go away in Europe, especially to somewhere as difficult as, as Napoli... He's after different qualities, isn't he? He's after like the, the experience and the control and the, the solidity in there. And I thought you know, Fabino, as we said before, was outstanding. Henderson, I thought, had a really, really good game. Um, and you know, you know, Milner did what Milner gives you in terms of putting in a, a ridiculously, you know, uh, you know, big shift. So no, I didn't have any issues with the, the team played. I think you're definitely freshening it up for for Chelsea on the on the weekend. You'd you know you'd. You don't, yeah, when Alden will certainly start, and, and maybe even Oxlade Chamberlain if he if he does decide to be a bit more adventurous with that that midfield three, and then obviously Gomez is an option for him defensively. But uh, no, nah, I, 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 I think you could tell from Cop's demeanour afterwards. I mean, he was obviously he was annoyed, and you know he he made his feelings very clear on the penalty decision, but you know he also retained his sense of humour in terms of asking for a show of hands in the room in terms of uh, who actually thought it was a penalty after the VAR and and just I think you could just tell from his general demeanour that you know, it was such a different feeling to when Liverpool lost here last season because he, he knows there wasn't an awful lot wrong with that performance and in terms of damage done actually very little I don't think there'll be any ramifications from this one because Liverpool actually played pretty well and um, 
you know, as as Paul said before, I, I don't see them having any any issues getting through this group. Neil, other than the final results and the standards of officiating, any negatives for Liverpool? Um, Thinking maybe Trent had a, he struggled again a little bit, although he wasn't given much help perhaps by by Salah defensively. Yeah, I, I thought he had a, I thought he had a tough. Their best player, a, ten, a lot of teams' best player tends to be up against Trent. You know, that, I do. You know, you think back really. Insignia is their best player and their, their star man, the captain, and the, the one that they, they see, they look for all the time. So it was always going to be a tough night for him. I thought first half he did a couple of really good things where he was covering round on the on the on the you know tucking in and he took one off off Insignia's toes when he looked like he was he was going to be an on goal. Um, you're right, he didn't get a lot of protection. I mean, he doesn't though. Get, you know, it's not a case of really. You know, Salah. Salah didn't do anything different to what he normally does. It was just that they were probably up against someone who's a little bit better than usual. But um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's a, a worry at all about, about Trent. It was just a, an, an okay performance from him. You know, Van Van Dyke made a mistake. You know, in the game, but no one's going to be concerned about that because he's got so much credit. Have you Have you not seen social media? I think I think every fan oh, of well, all yeah. the other teams think it's that's well, he didn't it. Didn't get dribbled past. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the real quiz. Um, but no, I wouldn't say there's any concern. Maybe maybe the only concern I would say, and this this is just very much nitpicking, is that there wasn't a striker on the bench. Origi was injured, and there wasn't a striker on the bench. So if you wanted to bring in a forward to the game and change it you couldn't because you know there was no one really that could just change the, the, the way they were playing or whatever but that's that's by the by we, we know that's the case we know what Liverpool have done with the transfer market in the summer the decision they've made going into the season so just got to live with it but no, I, I still think I still think they'll fancy themselves going to Chelsea on, on Sunday Chelsea lost it in the Champions League themselves last night they lost Mount I think to a, what sounds like a bit of a bad injury got a, got a bad tackle in the first half they had their own players squabbling over penalties and that kind of thing and they look a little bit shaky at the back they went back to three at the back so I think Liverpool will, you know, it won't be easy on Sunday but I think they'll fancy the chances of bouncing back with a good result at Stamford Bridge Final thing Paul this Five is Five points clear at the top of the league by the way Final thing Paul uh, your first ever trip to Italy I believe no, I'm okay, I'm Pablo. <laughs> incorrect. Thought, incorrect. <laughs> hang on, hang on a minute. I thought you said it was. No, 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 first ever trip to I went to Turin in January, which. Um, yes, it was. With Pat, no, Pat so, so both trips you've not you've not paid for them yourself, have you? <laughs> <laughs> that one's correct. <laughs> and on that bombshell. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening to our podcast, and hopefully you heard it. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.